welcome to the Wilmington Chambers podcast today. This is your source for in-depth information about the things that are most critical to businesses in southeastern North Carolina. The Wilmington Chamber is a nonprofit association that advocates on behalf of business, the business community, and helps to develop leaders and provides opportunities for the business community to connect at nearly 100 different events throughout the year. If you're not yet a member, we would love to have you join our group. I'm your host, I'm Natalie English, President and CEO of the Wilmington Chamber. And on our show today, we will be talking about New Hanover County's latest economic mobility report that was released recently by Greenfield Development. Our guest today, uh, I'll introduce in just a moment, but first, a uh, critical component of our economic development team, I'll reintroduce to those of you who've been with us before, Josh Hollingsey. Hi, Natalie. Good to see you. Thanks. Glad you're here. And so we also are joined by the Chief Strategy Officer for New Hanover County, Jennifer Rigby. Welcome. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. And then it's my pleasure to introduce Robin Spinks, who is on the Chamber Board and also a principal in Greenfield Development Company and some energy companies. And she's just a really all-around Renaissance woman doing (laughs) really cool stuff in (laughs) our region and our state. So, Robin, thank Thank you you. for joining us. Thank you for having me. Jennifer, we're going to start with you. Um, I'd like for you to help our audience understand why an up dated economic development plan or mobility strategy um, was needed and what have we learned about the Garner report in that process? Well, thank you. Um, a great question. Um, the New Hanover County conducted a, an economic development study back in 2014. It was called Pathways to Prosperity, and it was um, done by Jay Garner and Associates. And um, gosh, it's been eight years yeah. since that was done. A lot's happened in the past eight years. And as anyone in strategy knows, a a good plan usually lasts somewhere five to 10 years. And so eight years is where we sit from that plan. Um, We've had a hurricane. uh, We've had a global pandemic. Um, We've also accomplished a lot um, since the, the Garner report, we've run water and sewer infrastructure up 421, where we've, we are working on a business park on Blue Clay Road. Um, we've had a lot of successes um, since the Garner report, and so it was the perfect time to uh, refresh it and, and start with a new strategy. And you said eight to 10 years, it's, or five to 10 years, you mm-hmm. said, as a, a suggested time frame. It's kind of crazy with how fast the world moves today to even think five years is mm-hmm. often enough. And so we're having that same discussion at the chamber, and we'll be embarking upon a new strategic plan for us also this year uh, on our board. Um, so then uh, my next question, Robin, is for you. I'd love for you to share some of those highlights and I know that it's going to be hard to do that in a short amount of time but um, but we would we'd love to hit those high points and potentially even a return for a future episode to talk in more detail so um, it's interesting to do work at home (laughs) let me set let me start by saying that and I appreciated the opportunity to do that so very quickly and a lot of what I'm going to just say in a hurry is fairly obvious to folks but what I do want you to know is that the why we chose things, uh, the things that I'm going to describe that we chose, was the report is full of that why. Uh, not only for the data that explains it and the assets that support it, but also because what we said in the final report was that we needed 
to regrow the middle of the economy, which means manufacturing. And there are a lot of folks who in the past have not been all that interested in manufacturing in this community. But uh, so we needed to, uh, for everybody to be able to understand the consequences if we don't have that growth in the middle income to provide a pathway from the bottom up, then, uh, you know, we'll end up like California or some other places where where there's not a diversity of <clears throat> of opportunity for everybody. And the costs of that are expensive if you have to enable and support the folks who can't do that themselves with the lowest wages. So um, I won't go into all that with you today, but so quickly, just some of the assets and that we that we wanted to highlight and the reasons that we chose some of these targets and to tell you what the targets are. So I think nobody, uh, there isn't anybody who doesn't understand what are the nice things that we have and the things that support economic development here, like the port, and that's unique. So we kind of separated them into assets that were really competitive with a lot of other places around the country and especially along the East Coast, and then things that support that, that are common in most places, but very supportive here and, 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 and very great. So the primary assets, obviously, I, I said the port and our mid-Atlantic location, those are things that are pretty obvious, our quality of life. Our screen gems and workforce um, assets are quite unique on the East Coast, absolutely unique on the East Coast. Um, we have a lot of regional raw materials that can supply uh, manufacturing of different types, like food processing and the um, building materials. We have great electrical and water uh, capacity, electrical generation and water capacity, which is useful for any kind of growth. Uh, we have a growing population, obviously, which means that hopefully our labor force will continue to expand. And we have really good existing business clusters. We have supporting assets, which are, we are a small MSA or medium. Actually, we're to the point where we're a medium-sized MSA at this point, which means that we're not New York. And so that's one of the reasons that we grew during the pandemic was people were looking for, get me to the beach and get me to a smaller place. Um, <clears throat> we have a small hub airport, which means that it's better than just a commuter commercial airport, but not quite as hub-oriented as a Charlotte, and that gives us a lot of opportunity. I myself took a direct flight to Dallas last week and mm -hmm. was amazed mm -hmm. that we actually had that as an example. We have uh, UNCW and Cape Fear Community College, which over, and the community colleges are always hyper-focused on local, you know, the local businesses and how they can uh, customize the training and support for them. But UNCW over the years has gotten more and more focused on the local community and providing the workforce for that, for our existing businesses, and that's really been fun to see. Uh, we have natural gas availability. We have an amazing innovation network, uh, which supports business growth. We've got a unique transportation. We're the only city in North Carolina that has all the major transportation issues, interstate, airport, rail, port, and intercoastal waterway. Um, and so that's unique and, and provides a lot of opportunity. And then interestingly enough, you, the world needs to know that we have the ninth lowest tax rate and that our county has the ninth mm -hmm. lowest tax rate and all the rest of those places are very rural. And so in terms of cities, we are the lowest cost location in North Carolina. 
There, there are also some limitations that are important that I don't need to go through that, um, you know, that sort of, from a site selection standpoint, they, if, if any of those criteria are those things, but our limitations are not really significant things other than we are a small, physically small place, and we've only got so much land left, period, for whatever, and only about 4,000 acres of industrial land, and that's needs to be protected substantially for us to have those jobs going forward. I think it's interesting, um, Robin, when you talk about the all of the transportation modes. Uh, I reflect back, Jennifer, when we were working to respond and recover from Hurricane Florence, mm-hmm. and early in that process, we had roads washed out where New Hanover County became an island, Brunswick County became three islands, and when we weren't sure if we were going to get all of the supplies we needed, we were seriously considering a barge coming into the North Carolina port at Wilmington to deliver what we needed. And if you think about if some county in the middle of the state became an island to the rest of the state, they wouldn't have that same kind of water access. They might have an airport, which can lend the same sort of support. But it is intriguing. I hadn't thought about it until you released the report. And we're vulnerable. Yes. We've got five roads that come into this county from outside, and four of them have bridges. <laughs> So that Cape Fear Memorial Bridge, which is the oldest and biggest with the significantly the most commuting in to the county from Brunswick and other places, is an extremely important thing that we I agree with the chamber's position on that. It's, it's the number one limitation that we have, not right today, but it takes forever to get the money together and to get the support to make that happen. Right. So Absolutely. for sure that's important. Absolutely. So other than that, uh, those sort of supporting assets, the target sectors, and I I won't go into all the details about why, but um, we certainly looked at all of the basis for them. And we chose as our primary targets, first thing and most important thing is existing industry. Joss is going to be busy. Every (laughs) site selection magazine out there tells you that uh, at least 50% of your announcements over time come from expansion of existing industry. It's just easier to expand than it is to go out and start over somewhere new. So that's critical and important. Um, I think that um, I reflect back again. I've been in this business for a really long time. And once there was an economic development panel in Charlotte when I was with the chamber there. And Hugh McCall, former CEO of Bank of America, Mm -hmm. said that he called economic development a zero-sum game. There just aren't enough companies at at the level of, of what we call the elephant in the business, right, being created you grow to that point, but that if we attract one from a community, then that community loses. It, there's there's just not enough of those large companies. And so focusing on existing business and small business, it has to be a real winner for any community. But I'm thrilled that we're focusing on that in this community. Absolutely. And growing our own, which I you know, can talk about a little bit later in, if, we, if we want to. But in addition to existing industry, sort of the bring them in kind of uh, traded sectors, we like to call them, include the warehouse and logistics, which is obvious because of the port being here. Life science and manufact- uh, pharmaceuticals, everyone knows that North Carolina is one of the most significant states, and we don't have our share of that here, and we have all the, the vertical assets to, to make that happen. Uh, digital technology companies in particular, we started with the financial tech, but uh, computer software support for every single thing that we mm-hmm. do and every kind of company is just a booming sector and we are the third city besides Raleigh and Charlotte that most anybody looks at 
for that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, we're playing with the big guys there and we can do that. Yeah. The, some of the um, companies are so interesting. Josh, who'd you visit last week? Oh, so last week we were doing a video project highlighting some of our key industries mm-hmm. um, and primarily small businesses in those industries. And, and uh, Scott Monroe with Essential Personnel is a new startup in town that's won several prestigious awards here in North Carolina, right here, almost next door in uh, in the co-work space here in the, the cargo district. So really excited to, to feature some of those along with uh, End of Days Distillery, a craft spirits industry here in Wilmington uh, and pharma, a portrait uh, pharmaceutical. So uh, right along with what, what you're doing, Robin, um, on, the, on, the, on the strategic planning piece, trying to highlight some of those small business stories that what we're proud of in Wilmington. Well, the digital technology, just as an example, I went to PowerGen last week in Dallas. And normally, I've been going since 1981, and usually it's you know a lot of equipment. Well, this time, at least half of the exhibitors were software companies who support particularly the energy uh, distribution system, which is getting ready to be really interesting with um, electric vehicles and the growth that we've had. The, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to watch how it happens, and there's a ton of that, it, at least half of the companies that were there. So I was overwhelmed with that. It really sunk in that this is something that's going to be growing in our area. When you think about everything, the mm-hmm. Internet of Things, right? It's everything ev- everything mm-hmm. is connected to some app. I can control the temperature in my house from right here on my phone. You know, people can start their cars from their phones. It's um, And we are a player. I think to underscore, Robin, what you said, we are a player in the development of technology that is, that is making money and creating jobs in our Definitely. state. And in addition to those fun things, offshore wind, the leases came out just a couple of weeks ago, and it's happening. Uh, as Again, at PowerGen, there were company, even though wind was not the focus there, almost every one of them had pictures on their exhibit booth. We're in the wind business, too. Um, and the companies are already starting to show up and, and noodle around. Uh, the film industry we talked about, uh, it finally came back with a vengeance in the last two years, which is kind of fun. Everywhere I go every day, there's a big sign that says filming is going to happen here tomorrow. <laughs> and in addition, some other targets that are sort of support targets are things where we're competitive, but not necessarily the most competitive. Things like boat building, which also is part of the offshore wind industry, um, aerospace. Uh, we have the assets and we have a cluster uh, mm-hmm. company here. The blue economy companies we included because it's everything ocean, and certainly the ocean goes all up and down the East Coast, and there are some other places that do that, but UNCW has some really specific, and because of offshore wind, that there are a lot of connections with that. And then last but not least, building materials as we continue to expand everything along the coast of uh, East Coast of the United States. Mm-hmm building materials are, are really critical and in short supply, part of the supply chain issues. So those are the, those are sort of the targets, yeah. uh, the, the, the assets and the targets that, uh, that we recommended. I can go into great detail about why, so <laughs> <laughs> let, well, let that's me know great. how much detail you need later. This is super, and, um, and there's plenty more to talk about, but that's all the time we have for today in this episode. So um, thank you again for tuning in to the Wilmington Chambers podcast, uh, your source for in-depth information about the critical issues facing businesses in southeastern North Carolina. We'll be back. And if you're not yet a member of the Wilmington Chamber, we would love to have you join us. Thank you.